This is the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. I'm Robert Peterson, the host and creator of this podcast that takes a look back at some of Bakersfield's most notorious crimes, events, and characters. Welcome to another episode of the Notorious Bakersfield podcast. I hope everyone had a good Mother's Day. Before jumping into this week's story, I need to give you an update on a story I covered back in February. The supermarket rapist story, Sergio Venegas. Remember, I couldn't find out where he was. His name didn't show up on any searches I did on the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation website. So I had a good idea. He was no longer in prison. I received an email from Assistant District Attorney Joseph Kinzel giving this update on Venegas. Venegas was retried by the Kern County District Attorney's Office and convicted of rape, robbery, and multiple related sex crimes and sentenced to 56 years in prison. At that time, sexual offenses were entitled to day-for-day custody credits, meaning that he was eligible for parole after serving half of his sentence. He was released by the CDCR in July of 2021 on parole. Worthy of note, the Kern County District Attorney's Office today has filed charges in a case alleged to have occurred in May of 2022 that involve attempted sex crimes and robbery. That was from Assistant DA. And according to the news reports about this latest incident, Venegas is accused of grabbing a female on Ming Avenue, taking her to a secluded location, and sexually assaulting and robbing her. So he was paroled in July 2021, was living in Bakersfield, and was arrested last week on charges of another sex crime. Also, remember, Friday the 13th is this Friday, and Notorious Bakersfield has a special event for the occasion, a Friday the 13th tour. The self-paced audio driving tour will take you to 13 historical crime scene locations in East and Northeast Bakersfield. It's available to purchase now until May 15th. For $20, you can load your family and friends into your car and visit some of Bakersfield's most notorious crime scene locations. There's a link to purchase this tour in the show notes. You can also go to NotoriousBakersfield.com, visit the store link there, and buy the tour. Remember, it's only available to purchase until May 15th. It will be available to listen to until June 1st. Now, for this week's story. If you're a regular listener, you know I don't usually give trigger warnings. I figure people know what they're getting into when they listen to Notorious Bakersfield. Having said that, the story is especially disturbing because it involves children. Dorothy Gutierrez had a lot on her mind. She showed up to work that Tuesday morning at Myrtle Avenue Elementary School in Lamont, but she just couldn't get through the day. Dorothy and her husband, Bill Gutierrez, had recently separated. The stress of her marital woes weighed on her. She had a restless night's sleep the night before. 
The fifth grade teacher arranged with her principal to find a substitute so she could leave to hopefully get some sleep. When the substitute arrived at her classroom mid-morning, Dorothy told the students she wasn't feeling well and made a quick exit. Dorothy had already moved out of the country club drive home she shared with her estranged husband Bill and their two daughters, six-year-old Brooke and three-year-old Leslie. It's not clear where she was staying after she and Bill separated, either with a friend or family member. But when she left school, that's where she went. She'd get a few hours of sleep before picking up the girls later that evening. They were staying at their dad's house on Country Club Drive. Around 6 p.m. on October 9, 1990, Dorothy drove to her old neighborhood that surrounds the Bakersfield Country Club. She pulled onto Country Club Drive off of Flint Ridge and drove through the security gates. She drove up the incline of the driveway to her former home. The two-story custom-built Spanish-style home was big, over 3,400 square feet. Other than some palm trees, the yard was barren, just dirt, not a blade of grass. Without landscaping, the massive structure lacked any charm at all. When she got out of her blue Toyota minivan and walked up to the front door, nothing seemed amiss. But when Dorothy opened the front door, there was no question something was wrong. As soon as she cracked the door open, the odor of gasoline almost knocked her down. When she caught sight of what was in the entryway, sent a shiver down her spine. Blood in a spent shotgun shell was on the floor. Sensing something was terribly wrong, Dorothy backed out of the doorway and ran to a neighbor's house to call 911. This is Terror on Country Club Drive. Bill and Dorothy Gutierrez met as freshmen at California State University, Bakersfield. They began dating when Bill was 26 and Dorothy was 19. By the time the couple married in 1976, Bill had already served two years in the Navy, graduated from Cal State, and was in his second year working at the United States Post Office. Bill was known for making wise financial decisions. He bought a fixer-upper on Crawford Street and worked on it for a few years. Thanks to an upswing in the Bakersfield real estate market and his hard work, Bill sold that fixer-upper. With the equity from that house and a financial gift from his parents, he could afford to buy a much nicer house on Singing Hills Road. Singing Hills Road isn't in the Bakersfield Country Club. It was in the area. It skirted the country club, but not actually in the exclusive country club neighborhood. The Singing Hills house is where Bill and Dorothy lived when they got married in 1976. Dorothy went on to graduate from Cal State, got her teaching credential, and began her career as an educator. They welcomed their first daughter, Brooke, in 1984, then their second, Leslie, in 1987. The couple dreamed of living in the nearby Bakersfield Country Club neighborhood. They wanted to upgrade their Singing Hills address to a much more exclusive address. They had their goal, 
Now they set out to execute their plan for achieving that goal. The couple sold Dorothy's Mercedes and Bill's Porsche and bought more sensible vehicles. After a couple of years of penny-pinching and adjusting their spending habits, that goal of living in the country club was looking more promising. By selling the Singing Hills house and taking out a loan, the Gutierrez family bought a vacant lot in the country club neighborhood. Their new home would actually have a country club drive address. The lot was in a fairly new development just down the street from the Bakersfield Country Club, a development of custom-built homes, safe and secure in a gated community. The Gutierrez family was living the American dream. A schoolteacher and a mail sorter were able to afford a luxurious home in one of Bakersfield's most exclusive neighborhoods. After moving into their home, they got into a legal squabble with neighbors regarding a disputed property line. Nothing personal, just a difference of opinion about where the property's boundaries were. Bill and Dorothy weren't particularly close to any of their neighbors. They didn't know any of them better than exchanging pleasantries when they saw each other in their front yards. It wasn't uncommon to see the couple taking a stroll through the gated community, always with the young girls toddling close behind. An early indication that the family was struggling financially should have been the absence of landscaping on the lot their custom-built home stood. Most of the new residents were able to install landscaping within months of moving in. The Gutierrez had been there over a year and still hadn't done any significant improvements to either the front or backyards. Sometime in late summer or early fall 1990, Bill and Dorothy Gutierrez separated. Dorothy moved out of the country club drive home to live with either a friend or family member. The couple was quickly figuring out how to juggle work responsibilities with caring for their daughters. Both worked full-time. On her way to work in the morning, Dorothy would drop Brooke off at Dr. Juliet Thorner Elementary School, then would take Leslie to daycare or preschool. Bill worked overnight shift at the Pegasus Post Office. This shift allowed him to get a few hours of sleep after work before picking up the girls in the afternoon. He'd bring his daughters back to the country club drive home until Dorothy would swing by in the evening to take the girls back to where she was staying. That was their routine. But on October 9, 1990, Bill Gutierrez deviated from his routine. Before leaving his job at the post office that morning, Bill mailed a four-page letter. Then, sometime after getting off work, before picking up the girls, he went to a pawn shop to buy a shotgun. Next, he went to another store to buy shells for the gun. He then bought a five-gallon container and filled it with gasoline. He picked up six-year-old Brooke from Thorner Elementary School, then got three-year-old Leslie from daycare. Just like normal, never indicating to anyone that anything was wrong. Investigators say that sometime after getting home that afternoon, 
is when the horror unfolded inside the country club drive home. Detectives say Bill first killed three-year-old Leslie in an upstairs bedroom with a log-splitting tool. Police believe Leslie was asleep when she was killed. The father then went downstairs and shot six-year-old Brooke with the shotgun. He moved her body to the living room. After that, he got the five-gallon container of gasoline and poured it throughout the first and second stories of the house. He went to the master bedroom, pointed the shotgun at his throat, and pulled the trigger. When the police first arrived on the scene, the gasoline fumes were so strong they feared the smallest spark could blow up the entire house. As a precaution, law enforcement called the fire department to the scene for guidance on how to handle such a volatile situation. Electricity to the house was shut off. Investigators were puzzled why Bill Gutierrez went to the trouble to pour gasoline throughout the house. There was no indication he tried igniting it before killing himself. Police didn't find a single match or lighter in the residence. They speculated Bill may have believed a spark from the shotgun firing would be enough to start a fire. As we often see after these types of tragedies, nobody could believe Bill Gutierrez could have been capable of such an atrocity. Not his family, not his co-workers, even the neighbors on either side who had property line disputes with him said he was a nice and pleasant guy. That four-page letter Bill Gutierrez mailed the morning before the rampage, police refused to divulge who it was addressed to. But they did say he hinted at what he was planning to do. They said he was devastated by his marital problems and couldn't bear being separated from his two daughters. Police stated that their search of the home turned up a past-due notice for a house payment. Staff at Thorner Elementary School, where six-year-old Brooke attended first grade, have the sad task of informing her young classmates. Barbara Patrick, who later became a Kern County supervisor, was Brooke's teacher. Patrick told her students that Brooke died in her home along with her daddy and little sister. Brooke's classmates drew pictures of their memories of Brooke. Bill, Brooke, and Leslie Gutierrez were all laid to rest at Greenlawn Cemetery on Panorama Drive. Resources used for this story, the Bakersfield, Californian, findagrave.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. I'll be back next week with another notorious Bakersfield story. Have a good week.